Hmm, hang on. <clears throat> that's that's important. Oh, I'm not editing that out. You can't make me. Welcome back to Natural 19, the podcast that isn't perfect, but it's still pretty good. With me today, I have Matthew Nell. Do you prefer Matt or Matthew? I'll just take Matt, you know. Matt. Matt Nell. Keep nice and casual. Uh, yeah, keep it cash. Keep it cash. Uh, Matt, uh, tell me a bit about your uh, D&D experiences. How did you get into Ooh. D&D? Oh, that's... that's uh... Yeah, so basically, my mother, um, she had seen some of it in college. And like I was maybe 10, 12... And I, I started describing a game to her. I was like, hey, what, what if we do some kind of like interactive storytelling thing? And she basically put two and two together like, hey, this already exists. It's D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, so she bought me like the starter set. I kind of I played like one session of that with her as the DM and didn't really go anywhere. The rules were kind of like really complicated for my like 10 year old brain. So, right, right. you know, it was like 3.5. Um, so uh, I didn't really play D&D until like I think it was actually like, October 13. I joined a group at a uh, comic book store. And, like, comic stores are really rare. And, like, I lived in southern Louisiana. So I played with that guy for, like, a year and a half. It was, like, a full adult group. I'm going to say it was probably one of the worst D&D experiences I had. Like, he was a great storyteller. Oh, man. But things, it was, you know, I know what a bad DM looks like. He was a very much, like, I'm here to kill the players. That's my job. Oh, boy. Fighting yeah. against you. You know, I've, I've heard you guys talk about that in the podcast before. Yes, yes, yes. We, in, we're in against D&D, that. You don't want to fight against the players. You're there to tell a story. If you're, like, constantly trying to, like, fight them or make creatures that'll, like, kill them, you're really doing it wrong. Um, I I literally just filled out, like, this survey for this, like, Kickstarter I did. And one of the questions is, like, what makes good DM? And I explicitly said, like, one that isn't trying to kill the players. Yeah. Um, okay, so anyways, um, so I, I did that group, and then I moved up here to Jersey, and... Uh, that was when I was introduced to professional dungeon mastering. Um, in the uh, case yeah. of you, Josh, hey, here we are. Six groups a week, or whatever insane number you do. Six paid groups. Uh, seven now, actually. <laughs> uh, we're up to seven. Ooh, okay. um, but no, yeah, and that's. Uh, I'm very glad to have you on. You're my first, uh, so to speak, student who I've had Ooh. on. You're the first uh, person, and also the youngest guest I've had thus far. Yes, um, just so turned today, uh, A fresh hot take on uh, D&D from the, the youths of our country. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Give that youthful perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in my day, we used to fight four dragons. Anyway. <clears throat> um, oh, man. Yeah, so I, I grew up on 5th edition, really, so, you know, I don't even know yeah. any of that old stuff. Yeah, oh, man. Ooh, let's talk. Hang on, this is great. Uh this always happens, where I immediately want to talk about something that I was not planning on talking about, but I would love to talk about some of the differences in editions, because this is a lot of fun. Um, how, so do you know anything about, like, first edition or anything like that? Uh, first edition was, like, I think it was, like, two guys in their basement just kind of cracking at uh, making something. I, I don't know, did it even role-playing exist before that period, or? Uh, I mean, it was... I don't know the exact history behind it. Uh, Gary Gygax was still the creator of First Edition. He got a lot of pushback when he was creating it. Of people who were like, "This sucks. Uh, this is stupid," and or "This is the devil." Um, but specifically, <laughs> specific. Yeah, that was a real thing back then. That was a I real know. trope. Um, specifically, though, I wanted to, like the rules of First Edition were so like mind-bogglingly simple compared to what we have today. Really? Yeah, so this I'm gonna play a little guessing game, and I'm gonna tell you that there were, unless I'm much mistaken, Ooh. in first edition there were seven classes instead of the twelve we have now, and I want you to try to guess what those classes are. 
Okay, um, from your last podcast, I heard something about dwarf being a class. Oh, I forgot to talk about this before. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, you got that one. That one's a okay. freebie. Um, fighter? Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, wizard. Two down. Yes. Okay, I think sorcerer was like a second edition or third edition thing, so... Yeah, sorcerer's, sorcerer's a no-go. Um, druid. No. Cleric. Yes. Paladin. No. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, yeah. Rogue. Rogue is classic. Uh, it was called Thief back then, Thief. but I'll, I'll take that answer. Okay, that's five, right? Yeah. Yeah, I got two left. Okay. Um, oof. I'd like to phone yeah. a friend. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it's, it's okay. This game can only go on so long. We do have actual D&D to talk about. The last okay. two are... Uh, you did good. That's better than I expected. Though I forgot I gave them the answer. The other two are Halfling and Elf. <laughs> what? So, the reason... They didn't have race as an option back then. It was just your class. just the okay. character you played. So, Halfling was sort of like a variant on Thief. Elf was sort of a variant on Wizard. Dwarf was a variant on Fighter. And if you wanted to be a healer, Cleric was your only option. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's kind of how it went down in 1st Edition. In 1st Edition, critical hits were pretty much how they work in 5th Edition. That Not much has really changed with that. But there was also critical misses. And they weren't just like an automatic failure. But if you rolled a 1... If you rolled a 20, you dealt double damage. If you rolled a 1, you either hit an ally or hurled your weapon across the room. Like... There was a critical failure involved with it. Um, oh well. I remember still reading it in the original uh, first edition handbook. They have they give you like a scripted example of play. Like they have like people sitting around the table and they like script it out like it's part of like a TV pilot or something. <laughs> and in in the example, the rogue dies. Like the thief dies. <laughs> of course. I mean, yeah, it's, the thief's gonna die even, first. It's not even like takes a lot of damage. It's like opening a, tr- a chest, missed a trap gets a poison hit by a poison needle and dies and like well just roll up a new character because they're trying to illustrate like that's a thing you can do and that's a thing that happens but i'm just like as a dm i would never do that i would never have a simple trap that gets you killed that you're dead now i mean i kind of did a scenario kind of like that i'm not gonna lie um (laughs) it was sort of like they had to do the right action otherwise someone would die in the party wow um and harsh yeah it's a I, i made a pretty um I guess, difficult campaign where death <laughs> should be common. And I had like the Matt Mercer rules that I actually emailed you to send it to me. And uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. no one's died yet, which is really wow. surprising. Good. It's always encouraging when there's a situation where you're like, I don't know how the players are going to survive this. And they do. It's always really nice uh, to see them kind of working like that. I think that the best illustration I have of that, uh, which any of my players who have been through this will uh, agree with, is the water plane. Oh, no. Um, because when I first created the water plane, it was based on the backstories of the, the people in that campaign. And I kept thinking, I'm like, I don't know if they're going to like, I don't ever plan on doing a full party wipe like intentionally. But if ever it were to happen, I feel like it would be here. So it's oh, nice so to see how each individual part group... is behind us then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, you have been through the water plane. Um, but yeah, so it's nice to see how each group individually kind of gets through challenges like that. Yeah, your, your, uh, your group is... Uh, You've done some things, and a lot of those stories have been told already without you, just in your absence. But uh, I, I'm the uh, I'm the guy behind a character by the name of Adon Felswan. Yes, we've uh, mentioned you before. Uh, we should we probably should have led with that actually, because mm. um, <laughs> anyone who's listened to the previous episodes will now know you and go, oh him. Yeah, I'm the uh, guy behind the uh, bag of holding that exploded. Um, yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you heard, we did tell the story about you pulling yourself out of the journal too. Oh no. Okay. Um, so they, they, they know you quite well, Ardon Felsworn. Um, <laughs> well, hey. <laughs> yeah, there, there's been a lot of interesting side quests and more, I'm sure, to come. 
But let's talk about some other things now, because boy, we could just ramble for all. And this really well. This episode, this all this podcast is is two people rambling about D and D. So oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm fine with that. But um, all right, cool. So the first thing I want to do was kind of some story swaps, and I feel like we've already done a bit of that. Uh, do you have any like cool or fun D and D stories? Maybe that I am unaware of that you would be interested I, in sharing. Actually, I don't think I told you this one. Um, this is so. This is the one I mentioned earlier, where like there was a. This was like. So far, my players have said this is like their favorite session, um, okay. which I, as a DM, it's nice to hear that. Very, very affirming, <laughs> you get, you yes. Get, uh, showered in compliments after. And it's like, hey, I suddenly feel really amped up for d and I mean, yeah, immediately nice. after I went and like wrote like six pages worth of uh, <laughs> lore for the <laughs> campaign. Um, but basically, it started off with them. Uh, one of their main objectives um, from the start of the campaign, I sort of like to sprinkle in plot hooks, is... Uh, to kill the head of a fast food chain for a demon <laughs> that is a pig, a chicken, and uh, I believe a cow, like merged into one. I do remember one. this, and I yeah. God, I love that. Sitmo. Anyways, um, <laughs> so uh, they're they're after to kill that guy, but then they decided to double cross him and work for the uh, leader of this fast food company, the CEO, um, to kill the demon. So they're on a quest to get three holy magical items. Um, they're past the point in the campaign uh, where they've actually collected them all. So. Uh, it's from the outset, the fast food CEO did not expect them to actually retrieve them. They're sort of like, it's pretty hard to get. Just, just not going to lie, a little, little hard to get. Uh, so the first item they got to, the paladin saw a unicorn. He chased after it to the forest, um, sort of like woke up in the morning, chased after it. And sure. it engraved this uh, rune on the ground. And it basically led them to a the end of, of this giant waterfall. And there was this cave, like underwater cave that they had to... Okay swim through and this was at the, at the point where they started getting scared because the um mist walker i have like i let the homebrew run wild in my campaign so this mist walker sure, yeah he starts teleporting downwards then this water cave you know this okay. underwater cave and he's just kind of like one turn he gets 30 feet uh, second turn gets another 30 feet and he's running out of oxygen he has like maybe one turn left and he still has yet to find anything down there and he's like oh god i can't go up i'm gonna have to keep going down I'm going to die down here. And it was on the second to last turn that he sees a light. And he walks in and he sees, uh, you know, I'm going to kind of skip over some parts, but there's this really immaculate temple, this really beautiful looking temple down this long winding path. Sure. Eldorado and, kind of thing. Love it. Yeah. And he, he goes in. Uh, the rest of the party follows him. The the, the um, paladin having a lot less trouble having his high constitution. Right. Uh, which, sure. For those new players, constitution means you get more breathing time. Um, yes. Which is absurd because, like, I, I get that D and D adventure is supposed to be like really cool, but it's like one minute of being able to hold your breath per point of constitution you have. So a high con player could hold their breath for like five minutes, which even for a high class adventurer seems nuts to me. I mean, if I'm not like active in the water, I can hold my breath for like four minutes. It's not really. Yeah, it, that's... it's I don't know. I didn't even know it was impressive until like I was at a water park and a friend was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> that's super impressive. That's amazing. I could I think I'd be lucky to get a minute, honestly. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm not like a super fit guy either, you know. Uh, well, I mean, I guess that's not necessarily. <laughs> We're not getting into but... physiques right now. Yeah, that's okay. Not... <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Let's, back yeah, to the story. D and D. Yes, I'm, right. I'm here for it. So, uh, they at this point, you know, the the, the two or three players, um, someone had to leave, so that they just go down the they go down this um. They go to this temple, right, and they see this rune again, and they go and they kneel in front of this altar that's there, and they blank out. And the first one, they end up in a, in a room. One of my players is really, really, like, genre-savvy, so he immediately, like, 
figures out the puzzle because each of them are puzzles. There's they're kind of engraved with these celestial runes on the wall that right, say uh, right, right. they have to make a religion check to see you know what exactly they translate to. But he 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 reads the rune and he's like, hey, maybe I gotta drink the water until I throw up. Or you know that was the idea. Like it's it's to show devotion. You're willing to sit there and do something stupid like drink the water out of the room <laughs> until to the point where you're physically brought to puking. So he does it. They go on to the next challenge. There's three pits of fire they have to cross. Except this player, he decides to jump into the first pit because he's so genre savvy that he knows he's just going to sacrifice himself. And like the, at this point, there's this dramatic scene where the paladin literally tackles him like, no, do not jump. And he's like, but, uh, and he, he mutters like his god that he worships in game, like, you know, but, but my god, you know, I, I trust her. I'm going to do it. And they're, they're sitting bickering back and forth and the paladin's like, fine. Do it. And and he dies in the fire. The end. <laughs> and the paladin thought he did. So he spent the next, like, 20 minutes of out-of-game time sitting there, like, trying to justify why his character would follow him. Like, well, I'm trapped here, you know? What else am I going to do? And then finally, he drops down the pit. And at this point, they approach the final challenge. So that was devotion, then there's faith. Uh, this is like a test for Lathander, so of course all the generic, you know, holy stuff. But this is the sure, final sure, test. Sure, 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 sure. And there's this um, archon, there's this uh, angel made of completely out of stone in the middle of a giant arena. And they proceed to fight this uh, angel. And, you know, they get a few good hits in back and forth. And at this point, the paladin and uh, the mistwalker are just kind of like back and forth. Like, uh, they're kind of swapping places using his teleportation magic and just kind of like wailing down on this guy. But there's a point whenever the paladin goes down and the Mistwalker's there sitting at like 12 hit points and he thinks that he can end this fight. You know, he's, he's so close if he just keeps fighting this angel. But he sees his friend on the ground and there's this ooze just kind of pooling up from the cracks um, in the ground and it's like drowning the paladin. So he has to make one decision. Does he go down, make a medicine check and try to save his friend or does he continue fighting the Archon? That's a tough call. You know, the angel. Call. And the final test is called Hero. He goes down and he does it. It literally ended up perfectly. Like, I, I was fully prepared to let a character die there because that was at this. We did session zero. That's a, a very important thing. I uh -huh. Yeah. For, for new DMs, always do a session zero. We did a session zero and we discussed, like, this campaign will have real consequences. Your characters can and will die. And he did it. And they awoke. And in his right hand, he woke in like in the in the stream, and in his right hand he had the magical item that they were sent to achieve. Movie scene, I love it. It, it was amazing. Like then that, that's one of my stories. Uh, that's I great. Have a lot I with love that it. with that group. It's really great. Yeah, it's cool because I I've I only have only experienced you as a player. I've never seen you as a DM. I would love to like just take part in even like a one shot you run or something, just to kind of see what your style's like. We've talked a lot about DM stuff. We've never actually like you've never seen me as a player and vice versa. Oh yeah, I'm sure you're a great um, player. <laughs> it would be, uh, I'm it varies. I honestly have a much easier time, and I think I've mentioned this before too. I have a much easier time not metagaming as a DM. When I'm role playing for a character, I can be in that character perfectly. When I'm a player who doesn't know what's going on, my instinct is to be much more like inquisitive than my character would because I want mm. to know everything that's happening. Um, so I always try to play inquisitive characters to balance that out, but it's, yeah. it's actually a little harder for me to be a player than a DM, I find. That's that's why I always try to play intelligent characters, is because I just, like, I, I can't imagine playing, like, a fighter or, like, a, a barbarian. barbarian. Yeah. It's just difficult. Like, I don't know. Like, I want to yeah. interact with the world and in the campaign. I just, 
It's yeah, absolutely. Answer. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, usually at this point we have some like interesting thing and I do have some like fun kind of stuff I want to discuss with you, but uh, thanks to your uh, hard work and dedication, two of your players have actually sent in questions to us. Yes, they have. <laughs> uh, so you don't know what these questions are. Is that right? I do not. And I literally got them to my inbox. Uh, we, we paused the recording of the podcast for a second. I got them to the inbox roughly 30 seconds ago. So we're both looking at these <laughs> for the first time. Um, so the first one is this. And uh, I just glanced over this. And we are going to have to probably skim this question. Because the question is, what is your opinion on the Mystic class? Do you think it can be balanced the way it currently is? Or do you think it would need to be completely reworked? Um... And then the, there's a follow-up question to that, which we'll get to in just a minute. So I'm going to keep this one brief. Um, but before I dive into my thoughts on it, um, Matt, what is your thoughts on the Mystic class? Okay, so actually I have never looked at the Mystic class. I know at the start of our campaign, I asked if I could play it, but I really had yes. no idea what it was. And I flat out refused. Um, <laughs> I I have had a Mystic player in my campaign once. And for those who don't know, it is an Unearthed Arcana class, which means it's playtest material. Uh, that has more than 30 pages of rules involved in it. Oh, God. Um, so short answer um, to this is uh, Michael Tendy who sent this in. Short answer is that no, I, I do not believe it is balanced and I do think it needs to be completely reworked. Uh, the longer answer will actually have a next episode where I'm bringing on uh, my next guest for episode six is someone who has played Mystic before and knows the class okay. very well. And we're going to discuss all the ins and outs of the Mystic class. So you just hold on, Michael Tendy, and that question will be hecka addressed. It's going to be great. Uh, and the follow-up question he sent, he did send a second question as well, which is asking if we have heard of Humblewood and what our opinion is on the campaign setting. Uh, I have. For those who don't know, Humblewood is basically like uh, D&D animals. You're playing as, like, foxes and bunnies and stuff like that. I don't know any of the details, but again, if I'm going to go short answer on this, I love it. I love the concept and I would love to learn more about it. Matt, you know a bit more about it. Is that right? Can you can you tell me a little I've, about uh, it? Yeah, I, I've, read, I've actually read the source document. Um, the DM, actually, the, the guy who sent that question, uh, Michael, um, he's in my campaign, and uh, we actually kind of do, like, a thing. So some players can't do, like, a full game so we have like an hour period where three of us are online and, you know, we're all not like not asleep. So we, we, we okay. play like a little like one shot kind of campaign during that period. And we're about to switch that to being a Humblewood campaign. So I've read to the source ah. doc. It's really cool. It's sort of like, I think kind of like Zootopia, um, where they have all these kind of anthropomorphic animals as each of the different races. So um, it's fan- it's, fantasy Zootopia. Yeah, pretty much. And there's this Super whole like continent it. that it that they give you. And there's all these different things. Like there's one area that's completely uh, burned up and destroyed by like this great fire. And there's like this massive city where they have all the birds, the bird races. Like it's actually really cool. And uh, I, I'm actually really excited to play in it. We haven't had a session yet. That's awesome. You'll have to tell me more about that as it comes up. Um, so it's, it's not really, not really a lot of advice, more just kind of general question, but it's fine. Um, we'll move quickly through this. I have another one. Um, and, uh, this is from, um, LP Amlong is the Liam Amlong. Yeah. And it says, uh, now, now I'm going to have to censor this one because this is a family friendly podcast. Uh, (laughs) I told him to be PG. Uh, no, I think the first part of it was meant to be the joke, but I'm including it to put him on blast. He said, uh, I have to ask why Matt, my DM thinks he can get away with talking about us on a podcast. Oh yeah. Uh, And I I put a little pause in there for a word, which I didn't want to include. (laughs) I I Um, did, uh, I I did tell them that I would be uh, talking smack about them on the podcast. (laughs) That's a much nicer word than what he used. 
Um, and also, the, there's a follow-up question, which I want to get both of our answers for this, which is, what is the greatest Nat 20 you've ever seen? Uh, oh, no. <laughs> so go ahead. If you've got one for this, I definitely have one. But if you've got one, if not, I'll go first while you so think about it. That aforementioned first campaign I was talking about with a... It was he was a kind of crummy DM, but he, he was good. There was he had his moments. I was playing a game, and um, my brother was in it, and he had his character, which was a sorcerer, um, and he basically just cast you know firebolt all the time. And he also had uh, the DM had this rule where not once critical fails always result in you hitting your allies, mm-hmm. which is like, sort of a like first edition. Yeah, I mean, he was like an all time player. So basically, what happened was. Uh, my brother nat one and then he nat 20 Nice. One-shotting our level one barbarian. Oh, no. Because he rolled two tens on his damage die. That's horrific and delightful. Mine, so mine is a little bit cheating because it's not quite natural 20s, but it is in a system we were using Pathfinder at the time where there's a crit range, so it's natural 19s, ironically. Um, and it's good enough that I, I do want to include it as this story, which is this. Um, so in Pathfinder, you would do something called confirming criticals. When you got an, a, a critical hit, it didn't automatically crit. You needed to roll again to make sure you hit and that confirms the crit. It makes crits a little bit more difficult and a bit rarer. Um, and if you, if you failed to confirm the crit, it was still a hit, but it's not the double damage. So I played a rule with stacking criticals. So if you rolled two 20s in a row then you get like a double crit and you can keep stacking until you run out of, until you run out of, uh, like you eventually stop rolling criticals. So like hypothetically you could deal an infinite amount of damage if you keep rolling twenties. So I had a guy, he was a paladin. Uh, he, sorry, he was an anti-paladin. I want to be clear about that. Uh, he was like in a heroic campaign, he was neutral evil and it was awful. Um, (sighs) sounds awesome. uh, What are you talking about? Well, it was awesome, but it was, it made for some difficult, there was he shot he shot one of his allies with a giant beam of fire for more than hundred damage, uh, or very early in the campaign. It was a mess, but that's not the story. The story is he had a whole like person he was hunting throughout the entire campaign, and we he got to that like it was a boss fight, and they didn't the the party didn't know he had been hunting that guy, but he had been, and he killed we they beat the boss and they killed the guy, and he pulls me aside. He's like, can my character like kill himself? Because he's done. Like, he's, he's fulfilled his purpose. He wants to go meet his maker. I'm like, I, I don't see why not, if that, if you're sure. And it, so he did. And then he came back for the last fight as, like, an angel, like, having found peace within himself. So he, like, brought him back for the final <laughs> boss fight. And they're in the middle of this final boss fight. And he has a flail made of light uh, as this angel. And uh, we're playing right now on the back of a bus. Uh, we're, we're riding a tour bus. I'm... I'm I think in like England or something and our stage manager where this is a theater thing our stage manager comes back just to check on us see how we're doing and in the middle like he's about to swing at the final the the big bad boss guy uh and he's like hey stage manager can you roll this die for me so the stage manager rolls the die gets a 19 he crits on a 19 so I said okay roll to confirm the crit and he gives it back to the stage manager this guy rolls three 19s in a row um, and then confirmed the third 19 for a total of, I think, times eight damage on an already very high damaging weapon. So this boss, this was like a, one of those tiered boss fights where it was like, once you get X amount of damage, he changes to his next form. And he had just entered like his third form, which is a big, nasty flying one. Uh, <laughs> and they, and this guy, each form had, I think, 150 hit points and he hits him for like 246 damage or something like that. And it was just like... 
it was so nice to describe the whole thing and just like as this guy went plummeting to the ground it was it was a beautiful like extreme critical hit moment uh, uh so not technically a natural 20 but i think worth the story anyway that is a nat I, yeah that's actually worse than a natural 20 i mean or better whatever you're, yeah 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 uh, <laughs> half class um, <laughs> yeah 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 um oh, it was a beautiful moment um all right i think we've talked a lot i want to play dnd what oh. how about how about you you want to play some dnd dnd sounds fun so you've listened to yeah we, have you heard of it before it's this cool game invented by gary gygax um oh, oh really no so uh you you've listened to episode four yeah Oh, yes, I have. All right, so I'm going to uh, do a quick recap here about what we're doing. So there is, we have created a character now known as Fizzle. Fizzle is a dragonborn dwarf. Um, not physically, he's not, wasn't like half dragonborn, half dwarf. He's just a very small dragonborn. Um, according to his character sheet, he is two feet and ten inches tall. Very small dragonborn. He looks more like a kobold than a dragonborn, if I'm being perfectly honest. <sighs> Um, <laughs> and his name is Hemoglobin. And his name is Hemoglobin. <laughs> no, his name is Fizzle. Um, and to, to recap, he's a bard. Uh, he is proficient with any instrument that you can learn very quickly. Slide whistles, uh, tambourines, things like that. Thing, things that you need less than a month of practice at to be respectable or at least decent at. So where the this campaign started was in a strange dark room filled with boxes and barrels and papers and things. Um... And Fizzle has gone out into, uh, managed to melt through the lock on his door, gone out into a dark hallway, found another door uh, where someone named, and I just looked it up before this episode, so now I'm going to pause it, Snork. It was Snork. Uh, met, met with Snork. Snork actually slid a, a harmonica to Fizzle upon Fizzle mentioning that he was a bard. Uh, so Fizzle has an instrument right now. And then Fizzle ran back into his room to hide from someone that approached. This strange man had these black, like, veiny lines running from his eyes across his face, and he seems kind of dazed and out of it. He threw a torch that the place Fizzle was hiding, and now uh, Fizzle and he stand, uh, man with dagger drawn, and Fizzle with the torch that he had thrown, facing each other. And that's where we left off. So, Matt, do you have any dice on you right now? I do, in fact. I always then, have dice on me. Then I'm going to have you roll for initiative, my guy. Uh, let's let's play some Dungeons and Dragons. All right, all right. I really want to make a theme song for this part. It's happening, have, it's happening. I have bad news for you about the initiative I just rolled. That's a 7. That's a 20. Um, <laughs> so this... This guy is going to go first. You have an armor class of 13 without the armor because mm. you don't have any armor right now. Um, and he Fizzle's is just going to, to fizzle out. <laughs> run forward and wildly swing his dagger at you. Um, now, he got a... Actually, he only got an 11 to hit. So, he you duck under the first attack, just is, whizzes over your head. Uh, but he's st now standing right next to you. Uh, fizzle, what do you do? Your mother was a pigeon and um, other insults. I, I just insult him and see if I can do some... Uh... Do some damage you, with that. You actually like... do have vicious mockery as one of your spells. Um, I so I, I have your spell sheet here, uh, but I kind of like it better that you just see what you can do, and then I add it to the spell sheet until we are run out of spells. So vicious mockery is one of the cantrips you know. So he has to make a saving throw now, and that is a wisdom save, I believe, which he failed. That's a seven, which isn't going to do it. Um, so that is going to deal a d4 of damage, and he has disadvantage on his next attack against you. So go ahead and roll that d4. One. <laughs> okay, so this this uh, kind of uh, black-veined uh, person thing kind of blanks a few times as you hit him with that mediocre insult. That and was appropriate. <laughs> takes takes a lazy swing at you, uh, kind of still confused. So he has disadvantage on this, meaning I rolled 2d20, take the lower of the two. 
And a good thing for that disadvantage, because that was a 19 and then a 12. So yet again, mm. you just barely managed to duck out of the way of his uh, sloppy dagger swing, and it brings it back to your turn. So the door is still, uh, it's broken, right? It is a, the door is ajar, yes. Okay, um, I'm running away. Okay. I don't like um, this guy. He's veiny. He's scary. Are you just running as fast as you can, or are you going to disengage? I'm going to run as fast as I can. Okay, so uh, he is going to take an opportunity attack against you. As you leave his threatened area, he can use his reaction to attack you one last time. And that is a nine. He's not having any luck. So you manage to duck into the hallway. The room is very small, so you still have plenty of movement left if you're dashing. So there's the locked door across from you where Snork uh, is still trapped. And then there's a dark corridor extending in either direction. Snork, my friend, I'll be back for you. You seem like you're actually sane, and I'm not sane most of the time. What happened to your voice? <laughs> it's not my fault. I, keep, I just run. <laughs> okay, which are you going left or right? Um, right. <laughs> okay, you run to the right. Um, torch still in hand, so you actually, that's conveniently illuminating the path for you. As you dash to the right, the path extends for about another 40 feet, so you just reach the, the corner before you're running of movement for the turn. Uh, and you glance now to the left for it, it does turn off to the left and it continues. Um, there's two more of these locked doors, uh, on the sides of this new corridor you're entering into. Um, and then there's darkness ahead of you. You can't see exactly how far it leads. Um, the But the thing that is pursuing you is dashing after you. He's a little bit sluggish, seems a little bit slow, so he doesn't manage to quite catch up with you on this turn. Um, but he's actually going to get out of the door and hurl his dagger at you. And that's a 15. So for the first time, Fizzle been hit. That is four points of piercing damage. You have 10 hit points, Fizzle, so you're down to six now. Uh, as this dagger uh, catches you straight in the left arm uh, and it kind of burrows into your flesh. Uh, Vizzle just kind of like grabs onto his arm and just looks around and then just keeps running. Okay. Uh, well, you have oh a dagger. God, How? Fizzle, it's in what your have you arm. gotten yourself into this time? Oh um, boy. Why do you, I always you... come out in the worst of times? <laughs> uh, you, you run forward uh, and after another 30 feet forward, you see there is another door at the end of this corridor. It's kind of unlike a, just a passage this time. It seems to be a door that has a uh, what looks to be a heavy metal bar over the front of it. it is a metal door, metal bar, um, and there is a small gray stone stuck in the wall, like a, a circular stone in the wall next to this metal door. Is it a button? Fizzle, uh, do not fail me now. You can find out. You you go Fizzle over punches to, the rock. <laughs> you punch the rock. Uh, <laughs> the rock, sure enough, does slide inwards, and you hear kind of a staticky sound begin um hello there i'm fizzle the great and powerful i would like for you to uh open the door here for me at this moment uh and you're saying this uh and as you do you hear the kind of steady footfall of this guy chasing after you and you hear ah uh, no no can do that's not going to happen uh the not until the quarantine is lifted and what would it take for the quarantine to be lifted? Uh, and as you're saying this, this guy's <laughs> going to make a grapple check against you. He has reached you, and he's just going to try to uh, wrap his arms around you. Go ahead and make an acrobatics check to try and defend yourself from this. Get your hands off, Fizz Fizzle. Fizzle is too beautiful and immaculate for you. <laughs> uh, that's a 12. <laughs> that's enough. He got a 4. So, you duck under his grasp, um, and... Hmm. Well, you uh, you see that that thing that's happening right now. Uh, we need that to not be happening because right now there's still a chance of it spreading. Uh, and it's your turn. Fizzle just kind of 
looks at his arm and looks up at the uh, at the, this zombie thing and just like, well, I don't like pain, but all right. He pulls out the dagger and goes to stab the thing. Make an attack roll. That's a nat one. Oh boy, that works about <laughs> as well as you'd expect. Uh, so you go to stab this this thing, and the thing is, you hit it. That's uh, that's not an issue. You, your dagger goes right into this thing's stomach, and it just kind of looks down, unfazed by this, and is just going to yet again try to grab you. It's not even trying oh, to hit you; it's just great. trying to hold you right now. My personality is the one that kills Fizzle. Of all uh, the personalities. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I'm glad that Fizzle talking about himself in the third person is canonical now. It's not just that one. <laughs> I'm glad that's that's real. Uh, so go ahead and make another acrobatics check to try and dodge as he grabs at you again. That's a nat 20. Uh, wow, that's great because he got a 16. You actually, that was a tough one to beat. So yet again, you managed to duck away from this, uh, pulling the dagger back out of his stomach and into your hand. What do you do? Fizzle has moves, zombie. Uh, Fizzle <laughs> pulls up his harmonica and plays a shrieking noise on it. Just one singular note to try to do some damage to this thing. Um, okay. Uh, just try to funnel the sound. This zombie um, thing. You don't really have any great, uh, they, like, bards don't have any damaging first level spells. Uh, so I think I'm just going to use this as a... Uh, another way of using your cutting words, I think, is or not cutting words, a uh, vicious mockery is this yeah. sort of damaging sound. Uh, and he got a nat one on that save, so I'm gonna go ahead and give you double damage on that, just because you can. So go ahead and give me two d four. That's a two and okay. a three. So five damage. As the piercing uh, shriek of this harmonica echoes through the corridor, you see this thing sort of bleed slightly from the ears, and it sort of like burbles for a second. And collapses in a heap to the ground. All right, the thing is gone. Open the door. I'm sorry. What? I killed it. Because I am great and powerful. It's not a... I'm not talking about the the infected people. I'm talking about the virus itself. What virus? There's a virus that I've been studying, and you'll probably be turning in three, two, one... I have yet to turn. I am immune, and therefore you will open the door. Oh my god. I hold the cure in my veins. <laughs> you hear kind of muttering. Fizzle is godlike. Make a persuasion check. <laughs> uh, that's an 11. I don't have a plus 15 for this character, sadly. <laughs> um, no, but you do have a plus 6. Hey, Bards. Uh, yeah, it's it's what you do. Um, persuasion is kind of your thing. Uh, so that's a 17, and he goes, All right. All right, no, this is good. This is good. This is what I was hoping for. I, I was beginning no, to lose Open hope, the actually. door before I turn to someone else. and I can't yet. Okay. <laughs> the, just because you're immune doesn't mean the rest of this facility is. Uh, you're going to need to be sanitized. Just, right. even, even if the virus it doesn't affect you, you may still be carrying it. I like the idea of sanitization. I could really use a shower or a bath or whatever you have. Well, that's, quite frankly, horrifically accurate. Uh, you see, down on the lower levels, the, the, the facility I'm keeping you in uh, used to be something of a maintenance facility. And there are uh, there are sort of uh, cleansing areas, which is something of a chemical shower, uh, which doesn't sound terribly pleasant, but it will rid you of all any and all harmful bacteria. What you need to do is get there 
uh, and purify yourself and come back here once you've been fully purified. And I do, before, listen, before you try to lie your way through here, I do have scanners and readings. You can't fool me. You can't pull one over on me. You will need to go to the sanitation uh, zone. You will need to become sanitized and come back. And once you are all clean, uh, we can get you out here and start figuring out how to apply your blood to make a cure for this virus. All right. I want to tell you something before I go down there. I have a condition. <laughs> the next yes, it's, person... yes, it's called a virus. Uh, no, no. The, the next person you talk to won't be me. I have a manner of personalities, you see. And um, I happen to be among the sane ones. Or the only sane one, actually. I mean, I'm kind of a big deal. Sure. Go get sanitized. <laughs> And we'll talk afterwards with, I guess, one of your personalities. Indeed you will. And then he heads back the way he came. Okay. You head back. Uh, you hear the staticky sound kind of stop as you return back towards where your holding area was. All right. So I guess I'm heading down to the lower levels. Um... So uh, as you make it back to your, your area, again, you, you made a right out of your room. There is yes. still the corridor to the left. All right. I head down the corridor to the left. Okay. Um, as you actually walk uh, towards the left corridor, you hear, Hey, is, hey are you still alive out there? Why, yes, indeed I am. Okay, still don't understand your whole voice thing, but uh, you going to break me out of here or what? I will, in fact, do such a thing. How might I go about doing that? I don't have a lock. Can't you just eat the door? I cannot eat this door. You said Sadly, you're a bard. Can you, can you music the door open? Um... I can try. I use the harmonica to, to play a tune that feels unlocky. <laughs> uh, you, you play an unlocky kind of tune, but unfortunately knock is not in your spell sheet, so you are unable to open the door. It looks like I cannot open the door with my music. No. Ugh. I can do many other things, however. <laughs> okay, fine. Just look, there's got to be a key somewhere. Find it and come get me out of here. I will do that, though I do want to say... The next me you meet. <laughs> <laughs> I like this very kind personality of Fizzle warning everyone how wild he is. <laughs> next me you meet may or may not try to kill you. Some of us, some of the me's in my head, they're a little violent. I'm not sure. You might meet a nice one. A lot of yeah. Well, if I'm if I'm here for any longer, I'm gonna get a little violent. So yes. let's let's so get let's get a step. I do ask that you do your best to keep me alive. There are good ones in me, after all. Of course. I, I mean, I'm the only good. Yeah. At this point, he starts banging on the door. I can't keep you alive if I'm in. I'll this get room. you out. Don't God. worry. I leave. <laughs> okay. Uh, you head down the left corridor, um, where you find a set of stairs leading downwards into the musty darkness. Fizzle thinks he really should worry. <laughs> <laughs> perfect and that's yeah that's what we're gonna call it for now oh, so man. uh we'll okay. our descent into the darkness will resume with the next player uh thanks for thanks for playing along um yet again i'm really i'm improvising a lot of this as i go so like i don't oh, know yeah. what the virus is yet we're gonna figure this out at, together it's sort of turning into a high-tech zombie apocalypse kind of a thing which i'm trying to avoid but uh we'll, we'll, we'll have some fun with it it'll be great hey, i mean we, um, we literally uh, played a played a campaign that uh a character hadn't seen attack on titan and uh it was basically attack on titan <laughs> amazing i mean yeah all <laughs> right with werewolves. Well, uh matt thank you so much for joining us this has been amazing uh i'm looking forward to getting this episode on the air uh and i'm looking forward to playing dnd with you again um sweet 
I want to thank everyone for listening to Natural 19. If uh, if you had a good time here, please tell your friends. Word of mouth is our best advertiser. Uh, if you have any questions you would like answered, if you are a player in a difficult situation or a DM with a difficult player, go ahead and write to us at natural19podcast at gmail.com. That is natural19podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and you can send your questions there. Uh, otherwise, uh, before we go, uh, Matt, I want to do a little sign-off where I ask you just a simple D&D question to kind of see what, what you're going for. Uh, and what I would like to ask you is if you could cast any first-level spell in D&D at will in real life, what would that spell be? Um, disguise self, obviously. I mean, it's a serious answer, but at the same time... You know, it's, it's a great answer. Self. Yeah, yeah. So the disguise, yes, being able to look like literally anybody within a foot taller or shorter than you—that's that is an incredible spell. Yeah. I mean, I could be like just a few inches taller, which would be uh, which would be great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, again, Matt, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. Um, I just want to say before we go, this guy is wonderful. Honestly, like oh, the one of the best DMs I've ever been under. I mean, I haven't really been under that many, but like. The character choice he gives us as a party is amazing, and uh, Listen, maybe I guess I'll you'll be hearing out, about the stuff we're up to. <laughs> oh yeah, you'll the, you, we have not heard about the last of your group. Uh, that is that is for certain. All right, yep. Uh, so great, everybody else. Uh, you'll hear us. Uh, oh, you might have noticed this, but uh, we started doing every other week because I'm a busy person. If you want us to update more frequently, get us more listeners, because otherwise it's hard to justify. See you in two weeks. Mm-hmm.